What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Pretty Unfiltered Podcast. It's your host, Morgan Jones, and we are coming in hot from the recovery center. We are about 10 days post-surgery, and by the recovery center, I mean the bed. So today's episode is going to be very fun. It's going to be an Ask Me Anything style episode. I asked you guys to submit questions, and you guys did not disappoint Um, A little update about the surgery is that there were some complications, but everything is working out. It's just been a longer recovery time than I had initially thought. So right now I'm just doing my best to get everything done that I need to do. And I missed you guys. So thank you for being understanding that we had a little two week hiatus there. Um, based on everything that's been going on, I've really had to reassess how this format is going to look for the podcast. And after, you know, a long time of thinking about how to make this work and what to do based on balancing this and my health, I've decided that I think what's best is going to be to focus on quality over quantity. So I'm going to go with an every other week schedule at least until things ease up a bit with my health or we see how things go. I think that there are plenty of podcasts that come out every week. And, you know, as the more that come out, I think that sometimes it gets overwhelming. So my goal is that maybe if I do every other week, then I could focus on the quality of what I'm bringing to the table and not just have filler episodes and hopefully be able to give you guys content that really helps you out. I guess we could kind of consider it like seasons of a show. So we will do minimum of like 25, probably by the end of the year. And I just hope that, you know, they'll all be on topics that are things that you guys enjoy or that resonate with you. And I loved all the questions that you guys submitted. In fact, I'll probably do this more often than I thought because it was so nice to get these questions in on things that are important to you guys and really understand the topics that you want me to talk about. And if anything resonates with you today and you want me to expand it further in an episode of its own, just DM me and let me know because I'd be more than happy to. I kind of noticed that there were some duplicate questions about, you know, five years off of social media and also body image. And I think what I'll do is I had already wanted to do this in general, but instead of addressing those in today's episode, those are both going to have their own main episodes, along with a mental health episode that will come out next because it is Mental Health Awareness Month, and I felt that it was something that definitely needed to be discussed, especially based on the reasonings behind this podcast. For today's episode, we'll just be focused on these questions, and I did my best to kind of pick questions that differed from one another. Some will have answers that are short and sweet, some will have longer answers, and I just hope that you find something that is helpful for you today. So with that said, let's get into the questions. I'm sure it comes as no surprise to anyone, but question number one was basically tips for confidence. And if you listen to the last episode, you know I wrote a book and this was the entire topic of the book. (laughs) So I could obviously talk about this in an episode of its own. I could do multiple episodes of it. 
So I really had to think about kind of if I were to condense it into the most important aspects of what I felt would be advice on confidence. And what I think first and foremost it needs to start with is that everybody thinks they want to be more confident. And, you know, everybody says, how do I be more confident? How do I help my daughter become more confident? Or when I'm giving speeches, that's the most common question that comes up, which is why I decided to write that book on it. However, confidence is the byproduct. It's not the goal. People think they need confidence, but what they actually need is to try to do their best to take control over their own programming. And I'll explain that a little further, but I think what's important to know about confidence is that it's really not enough to just want to be confident and think that confidence is going to come hit you one day like a meteor. Like it's not just going to come show up when you have the best body, the best job, or whatever you think is the ideal situation in your life. Confidence is actually going to come as a byproduct to your commitments to yourself, to your alignment, to the self-discipline and your habits and your behaviors and your programming. It actually requires you to have the desire to show up for yourself and make changes in your life more so than you have a desire to fit in with everybody else and continue doing what you're doing if that's not working for you. I'm sure that, you know, me saying that alignment is the number one goal sounds a little woo-woo, but it's really not because anything in our lives, any aspect of our lives comes down to getting what we think, say, and do in alignment with that best version of ourselves. And I truly believe that that is the ultimate catalyst and foundation of confidence. Because once you feel good about that, once you are living in alignment with that best version of yourself or the truest and most authentic version of yourself, then the opinions of others, the validation of others, it doesn't hold as much weight because you're happy with who you are. You like who you are. You, you are confident in who you are. So the more we can achieve alignment, I believe, the more confidence we have. And I think it's really important to understand that almost everything in our lives can be upgraded, updated, or up-leveled if we strive to achieve this level of alignment. And I talk about this in the book. In fact, it's like one of the core concepts of the book, which is that I think alignment can actually be achieved by a fairly simple equation. Think of like a Venn diagram and if alignment is in the center and then you had three circles that are converging at the point of alignment. In the first circle, I think that the most important thing to achieving confidence for anyone is self-awareness. And most specifically, you need to be aware of who you are, who you want to be. But even further than that, you need to be able to identify and differentiate between what you believe about yourself and what you've been programmed to believe about yourself. In fact, that's the whole concept of the book is being able to do and use reframing as a technique 
So doing whatever it takes to separate society's story, society's rules, society's standards from your own belief, your own story, your own standards of yourself. Because it's only once we're able to separate these two ideals that we can actually start to make choices and habits and behaviors that are in alignment with what we want to achieve and the person that we want to be or work towards the things that make us feel good about ourselves based on what we want, not what other people tell us we should want or we should look like or how we should behave. The second circle of the Venn diagram would be action. And I know that's not the fun part, but we can't just sit around and expect confidence to show up knocking at our door. We have to actually do the things that will make us feel better from the inside out. So if that's moving your body more, if that's surrounding yourself with different people that actually uplift you and make you feel good about yourself, if that's eating differently than you're eating, it's up to us to actually take steps and to put in the work to move forward towards a life that is more in alignment with the version of ourself that we know feels our best. Because if we just sit here waiting for confidence to come, I don't believe that's ever going to happen. I think it's a combination of taking this awareness that we've discussed, this action, and then the third step, which would be accountability. And I know accountability sounds scary, but we have to hold ourselves accountable if we want to change our lives. And I don't mean just hold ourselves accountable, but we have to hold our surroundings, our behaviors, our habits, all of it. We have to make sure that we're doing everything we can to have those be in alignment with the best version of ourselves as well, because this is the only way we can develop integrity and keeping our integrity and our commitments to ourselves and having self-discipline and working towards the things we want, or if we want a healthier body, healthier habits, whatever it is. We have to keep the promises we're making to ourselves. We have to keep ourselves in integrity with that life we want to live because without that, and if we're breaking promises to ourselves, and if we have to start over and over again, which all of us do, and that's okay, we just have to continue to work towards holding ourselves accountable and making sure that our surroundings are supportive of our growth or they're inspiring us or they make us feel supported rather than anything that will make us feel badly about ourselves. Obviously, I could go deeper into all of this, but I think that if you really understand the equation that awareness plus action plus accountability equals alignment, then I think you can kind of self-assess for yourself of where things might need to shift in your life and where you can kind of work on improving things that maybe help your situation be more supportive of your self-esteem. And as I mentioned in the last episode, you know, because of my medications, because of my disease, I've dealt with all the stuff that society tells you shouldn't make you confident, like losing hair, weight gain, acne, everything you could think of. And because of that, it really forced me to learn how to work on my mental health and my confidence and really establish the things that I could control, which were if I couldn't control my physical health, I could learn how to control my mental state around it. And I think you just get to a point where you realize that if you're living your life based on 
how other people are going to perceive you. And that actually comes up in a question later on. But um, if you're living your life for other people, for their opinions and their validation, then you're going to be living your whole life for them. And at what point are you going to decide to start doing things and living life for you? So I think that serves as my compass. That's the blueprint to what I asked in the beginning of this question, which was, can you differentiate between what you actually feel about yourself versus what we've been programmed to feel about ourselves? So can you separate the two? And does the stretch marks and the cellulite really bother you? Like, are those life-altering things? Or have we just let society tell us that those are quote-unquote imperfections? If you're able to start separating the two things between what we've been told to believe and what our programs are versus what we actually believe about ourselves, the more you do this, I mean, even write a, a list side by side if you have to, but the more we do this, the more we can separate this, the more we actually get to decide and take control of our lives and our own programming. And the more we can take control of our own programming, the more alignment we can have in our lives because we'll be living for ourselves. So, you know, it's not always easy. Obviously, these are just tips that you can take or leave, but those would kind of be the best advice if I had to put it in a nutshell. Um, if you want, I'll do a whole episode on this, so just let me know. But for now, let's move to the next question. This person asked, what are some things or coping mechanisms that you do to help you stay positive when times get tough? Or maybe ones you feel that have been really helpful that would help others when they are feeling defeated? Okay, this is a good question. And I think it kind of can be broken down into both physical and mental coping skills. So mentally, I think first and foremost, the most important and effective, I guess, tool that I have learned is to really just focus on the things I can control and then release the rest. Focus on what and if there's anything I can do about the situation. Is there anything I can do to control anything else? And if not, I have to let it go. And that's not always easy. But I will say that life becomes far easier once you're able to do this, because once you're able to focus on the things that you have control over, you can then focus on things that are more physical, such as find the things that bring you peace. And I'm intentionally not saying find the things that bring you joy, because while I think that you should be doing that as well. I want to be very intentional with what I say because I think that the question was asking about when times get tough. And I think for some people, it is so tough. It is so hard. Times are so dark that if I were to just say, go find things that bring you joy and you can't even get out of bed that day, then it just seems insensitive because I've, I've been on the receiving end of that. So instead of focusing on joy in the beginning, if things are really, really tough, I focus on the things that bring me peace. So if I'm in the thick of it and if joy seems too far away to achieve, what are the things I can do in my day that brings me a little peace, a little time away from things feeling so hard? So for me, that's something like walking and 
you know, and to be very clear, some days, you know, it's so hard. I don't want to get up and walk. But I think that for the most part, if we're trying to search for things that bring us kind of out of the state of overwhelm, out of the state of sadness, it's just something small. So whether that's walking or I love flowers in my house. I love flowers in general. I love going to the farmer's market to get flowers every other week because having flowers in my house just makes me a little bit happier. It brings me a little more peace. So I think whatever you can do to create kind of like little escapes from the feeling of defeat, little escapes from the tough times, whether it's, you know, going to take yourself out on a date or going for a walk or going to the movies or doing anything that is a little distraction. I think little by little, the more you can just make it through one hour at a time one day at a time, and not take the whole thing on. You don't have to have the answers, the solutions. You don't have to feel better right away. You can just do this incrementally. And I think that was something that's also important is we're led to believe that we can't be sad or that we should, you know, feel grief or hardship for as little time as possible and then we're supposed to bounce back. But go easy on yourself. You don't have to fight all the hard stuff at once, even if it feels that way, even if it feels so overwhelming. Just take things one hour at a time. Many times in my life, I've had to take things one hour at a time just to make it through the day. Do your best. Go easy on yourself. Find little things that bring you peace. Focus on the things you can control. And then, obviously, this is just an extra one, but try to be grateful for the things that are going right. And I know that's not always easy. And I know that in certain situations, it's really hard to find gratitude at all. But I think that even during the hardest times, we can all take a moment and find the things that are going right in our lives, even if it doesn't feel that way at the time. So hopefully that was helpful. Let's go to the next question. Okay, this next question I thought was a good question, and it's just a short and sweet answer. So the question is, do you ever get annoyed or tired of the you're so strong or I couldn't imagine living with a chronic illness comments? So very easily, my answer is no. I don't get tired of those comments because I think if people are saying those to me, they are coming from a good place. Um, Do I get tired of the disease itself and having to be so strong? Yes. Um, I would be lying if I said that there weren't times that I wish things were easier. But no, um, I do not ever feel that when someone says you're so strong, um, I'm tired of that. And I think that question kind of ties well into this next question, which is, If you could switch places with anyone knowing that they would have to experience what you've gone through, would you? And then it follows up by saying, if not, do you think that what you have gone through has made you a better person? And if so, what ways? Wow. (laughs) Okay. This is a good question. I've never even been asked this before. And once again, similar to the last question, my answer is no, absolutely not. Without a doubt in my mind, I would never switch places with anyone knowing that they would have to experience this disease. Um, Not on my worst, I don't really have enemies, but you know, as the saying goes, (laughs) not on my worst enemy. Um, 
it is very difficult and very painful. And I just could never wish that upon anyone. And your follow-up question said, do I think that what I have gone through has made me a better person? And if so, in what ways? So my answer without a doubt would be that I believe that this has made me like the most empathetic you could possibly become. Probably, I think because of how I was raised, I have to believe that I would always try to be a kind person or do the right thing. But as far as empathy goes, I think that this disease, along with other things that we haven't discussed yet that I've been through, um, it's really just opened my eyes to a lot of different things that people experience. And I can relate to a lot of different things that people go through. And Therefore, I just kind of, I never judge. I don't compare. I just really try to approach everything with empathy because I know that we all have these stories. You know, like I talked about in the last episode, we all have these hardships. They just look different from one another. And I think because I've lived this and because I've experienced this, that's always on the forefront of my mind when I meet someone, no matter how they show up or how they're kind of behaving. I just know that there's a reason they are the way they are. And I just try to be as kind as possible. And maybe even more importantly than that, I think this disease has, you know, kind of had a given me a built in like filter and roadmap for giving me perspective on what matters and what doesn't. So it helps me use my time most effectively. I try to really surround myself with people that make me feel good and people that bring me joy, doing things that I love, and making the most of my time. And like I said in the last episode, I think a lot of people spend their whole lives trying to get to that point. And maybe, I mean, it's true that people even look back and wish they would have spent life differently. And I can honestly say that if I wasn't here anymore, I could genuinely say that I have made the most out of every moment and I've really just done my best to live life to the fullest and I think that that is actually a gift that came from having a disease like this so I hope that answers your question and now it's time for a deeper dive question the next question says what is your best advice for someone entering their 20s And then there was another question that says advice for post-grad scaries. Um, She was talking about college, but I think that just my answer on this could probably be applied to high school or whenever as well. But I love this question. And let's just start with some cold hard facts that no one knows what they're doing. Whether it's high school, college, adults, your mom, me, we're literally just all figuring this as out as we go along. And so I think that fact alone should just be your determining factor that don't stress too much because even if you create plans, they're probably not going to go that way. And everything I thought in my 20s was going to happen in my 30s, it didn't work out that way, but things happened in ways that were even better in some capacities. Some things were harder in some capacities. But I think that the first thing to just give you perspective is that no one has it all figured out and we're still just all doing our best no matter what age we are. So the feeling that you're having now is probably going to come up 
even more times in your life because that feeling comes up for me with different things with my career or that may come up for somebody else with changes that they're making with their family. But just know that your feelings are normal. And to go even further, I think that the most important thing with this question would be to just understand that timelines and these social constructs that have been created for us around our 20s and this weird thing that we have that, you know, everybody's supposed to have their life figured out by 30. It's just not true. It's just that's not how this works. And the quicker you can accept that and understand that and actually believe that and get that into your programming, I promise you the better off you'll be. So as far as giving you advice for your 20s, I would say try all the things, do all the scary stuff, travel, just use the tw- your 20s as a time for you to experiment and find the things you love and don't really think too much about having it all figured out. And, you know, if, if you're thinking about how old do you have to be to start a family or, you know, to have a serious career. I think that if I were to be honest, I could give you some perspective. And I talk about this a little bit in the book, but I could write you a whole list of people, friends of mine even, who love their children very much, who love their marriages a lot or their partners a lot. And yet they wish they had waited And I think that this is something kind of taboo that no one talks about. But I feel grateful that my friends confide in me in this stuff and people that I've asked about this for the book. But I think it's far more common that people actually wish they kind of would have waited because they wish they had a little bit of more time to have focused on themselves, to have traveled or to test all the things they wanted to do with their passions and I don't think that gets talked about enough. Now, that's not saying they don't love their kids. They don't love their husbands. I just think it's a really important conversation to have because, you know, society tells us we should be married in our 20s, have life figured out by 30s, you know, and I don't know at this point, like basically be retired by our 40s, I guess. I don't know. But I think that it's important to remember that, that everybody has a different timeline and that there are people that do it exactly like society says and they wish they would have waited. And if we take this one step further, we could talk about the people who wish they wouldn't have waited. So, I mean, if you watch any documentary or if you know anything about end-of-life or near-death experiences, they're filled with stories of people saying they wish they wouldn't have waited to do the things they wanted to do. So there are people that say they wish they wouldn't have stayed in jobs that made them miserable, or they wish they would have tried something new instead of just staying complacent because they were too afraid to try something new or they wish they tried to start the business or go after their dreams or travel. So, you know, you can fall in both camps. You wish you would have waited and you wish you didn't wait. And I think those two facts alone should really emphasize the fact that everybody is on their own timeline. Everybody should just be doing what makes them feel good, and then act accordingly, not acting on what society tells us we should be doing by whatever age. And it's really unfortunate that we've been conditioned to feel like we're failing if we're not on track with the timeline that's been instilled with us 
when, you know, since we were young. But I think that if I were to give any advice to someone that was either post-grad or in their 20s, it would be to just do and go after anything and everything that brings you joy, that brings you love. Make all the mistakes, you know, have fun and just use that time to find who you are. Use that time to get in alignment like I talked about earlier because you should develop that alignment. You should develop like know who you are and what you love and what you deserve and find that confidence, you know, and if you want to settle down, if you want to have a family, do that. If you don't, don't. You are under no obligation to be on anyone's timeline but your own. So whether you're 16 or 60, go after your dreams and do the things that make you feel joy because life is just far too short. So the only timeline that you should really be focused on is making the most of the time you've been given. And I know this is kind of a deep answer to your question, but make that the the foundation of your timeline. Like, are you making the most of your life? Are you making the most of your time? And I think if you can use that as the roadmap to navigate your 20s, then you will look back and you won't regret a single thing. Because if you're living for yourself and you're living for the things that bring you joy, you can't look back and regret those. Hopefully this makes sense and can give you a little perspective. But, you know, I think that at the end of the day, just go easy on yourself. Don't think you have to have it all figured out. And then focus on the things that bring you joy. And happy graduation if you're about to graduate. Okay, next question. Okay, the next two are actually short and sweet answers. So the first one is, what is your favorite part of your job? So this could be broken into two parts for me. For any of my speaking engagements or working with young women, um, whether that be high schools, colleges, whatever, I think ultimately it comes down to playing any small role in making someone feel good about themselves. So in the same way that the other half of this is in my consulting business, it is being any small role or playing any part in helping women or anyone make their dreams come true, helping grow their business, especially those that are doing good for the world. It just... That's my favorite part is to feel like I'm playing some small role in making others' lives just a little bit better. And the other question that is short and sweet is, what is a false assumption people have of you? (laughs) So this is easy for me. I am an introvert to the absolute maximum. And people think I'm an extrovert, but I love my alone time. And I need my alone time to recharge my batteries and to have energy to go out. And I do actually have quite a bit of social anxiety. I know that's weird since I talk on stages, but I'm actually a big introvert. So, you know, if I had to pick between, you know, going out and being super extroverted and talking to a bunch of people or just staying home with friends or loved ones and keeping it super close-knit and just intimate, I'm always going to pick the at-home option. Um, And then probably another false assumption is I'm a hugger and I'm not. (laughs) My best friends hate it, but they know that, but I'm not a hugger. Okay, let's get into a little deeper question now. Okay, this next question 
says advice on setting boundaries. So when I went to think about how I wanted to answer this question, I realized that this totally needs its own episode in itself because I have a lot to say. Um, I also talk about boundaries in the book and I am a firm believer in boundaries. That might be actually one of the assumptions I should have added that people have, but just because you're nice or just because you're a kind person doesn't mean you can't set boundaries. And I think that, you know, even though I'll answer this in a full episode, my shortest answer for boundaries and the thing I always come back to is the number one thing is to remember about boundaries is that boundaries are not selfish. They are a form of self-respect. And like I said, I talk about this in the book, but we've been programmed to believe that when we set boundaries, we're like letting other people down. But when we don't set boundaries, we're letting ourselves down. So I don't understand why we would want to let ourselves down continuously just to appease other people. And setting boundaries isn't easy. And it's taken me a long time to get to a place where setting boundaries is something that I can do pretty easily. But it had to come from, first off, doing it over and over again, but also just getting to a place where I realized that your energy, your health, and your time are your life's most like valuable currencies. So why are we giving them so freely at the expense of our own well-being or our own mental health? And it was when I started asking myself that and then shifting my programming around boundaries from being seen as actions of selfishness to actions of self-respect that the game really changed for me. And so if you could kind of shift your mindset around boundaries into viewing them as actions for you to protect your peace, to protect your energy, to protect your time, then I think that that is probably the number one catalyst for making it become a little bit easier each time. And like I said, I'll do a full episode on this because obviously, you know, family can come into play or partners or spouses and, you know, it it does get a little tricky. So I'll do a deeper dive on that. But I think ultimately the number one thing I would say about setting boundaries is to view them as a form of self-respect and to know that you deserve to set the boundaries and improve the quality of your life while you're protecting your peace. So that's my advice on that. Let's move on. The next question says, what advice do you have for teenagers that might be having a lot of anxiety regarding how others view them? Okay, this is obviously my favorite topic. If you know anything about me, you know I live for my younger girlies. Um, I am here and I feel like I was given the challenges I was given and given the platform I was given to help the younger generation in whatever way I can. So here's what I know with certainty. I know that it is never easy to stop caring what other people think about us because we are wired to care about that. However, one thing I want to make very, very clear is that anyone that is going to judge you or attack you, whether that's based on your appearance or your hobbies or the things that you're interested in, those will not be successful people long-term. Because what I can tell you through experience, through working with everyone from 
the Girl Scouts to women in business who are multimillionaires is that the happy and the successful and the kind-hearted women are not the women tearing other women down. And I stand by that. I've experienced it. I've seen it. So to the person that asked that you're having anxiety about how other people view you, just know this, is that if anyone is passing judgment on you, that says so much more about them than it does about you. In fact, it says nothing about you at all. Because when I was in high school, let's just say, I loved everybody. I I really did. Like that sounds cliche. But if someone was interested in anime or band, I never saw that as weird or different than me. I saw it as their passions in the same way that I loved sports. So they could look at me and think that sports were weird. I didn't think anybody's hobbies or interests were better than one another. I just thought we were all doing what made us happy. So I never cared what they were doing. In fact, I like love, you know, and if you know me at all, like I love when people are doing things they love, especially if it's a little bit out there and a little bit non-traditional. I mean, I will cry just by watching someone else's dreams come true because that's how much I love watching other people win. But with that said, I want to make it really clear that if other people are judging you based on what you're doing, they are not happy with themselves. Because first and foremost, if you're spending that much time being concerned with what other people are doing, that you want to not only have judgment towards them, but you feel the need to even say anything perhaps, then you're not the type of person I want to be around anyway. So maybe I'm just getting a little bit passionate about this because I want to address something. This is unrelated to the question um, about teenagers. So this is actually about a nine-year-old who is in third grade. She is my friend's daughter. Her name is Mackenzie. Hey, Mackenzie, your mom has been texting me about what's been going on at school. And she said, you'll be listening to this. And I just want to say to you that I'm so sorry that girls are being so mean. And I want you to know that the the mean girls are not the girls that are going to win in this world. And I want you to remain who you are and remain true to yourself. I know you are so kind and I've had the privilege of watching you grow up. And I'm so sorry that these young girls were not raised better. And I'm so sorry for what they've been doing to you. And I want you to know that when they think something that you do is weird or when they think that you don't belong in their circle, create your own circle, even if that's just you for a little bit of time. Because I promise you, Mackenzie, that the more that you stay in alignment with the things that they think are weird, the more successful you will be. And I know you are a kind-hearted girl and I know you are so passionate about all your hobbies And you just stay focused on those and you keep taking it a day at a time and you make sure you tell your parents anything bad that goes on. Okay. So don't put up with anything just because you're kind doesn't mean you can't set boundaries. Okay. But I just want to say that you are the cool girl. You are the cool girl because you're not being mean and you are going to go far, much farther than anyone else because you are so kind. So 
you know, I think that that kind of ties in with this question about how people regard us and, you know, the question asked about teenagers that care about what other people think. And I just want to say that this doesn't change as you get older, unfortunately. So no matter what grade, Mackenzie's in third grade, this person asking the question is a teenager, I'm in my 30s, this doesn't change. There's always going to be mean people, there's always going to be mean girls, choose to be the kind girl. Kind girl energy, that is what we are doing here on this podcast. Okay, let's get into the next question. What is something that brings me joy? That is a great question. Oh, wait, sorry. The question says, what is something that currently brings you joy? Okay, so if we're talking about in the moment, I just want to say I love writing the book. Like, I had no idea I was going to like it so much, but I absolutely have loved the process. And as I said in the last podcast, unfortunately, because of these surgeries, I've had to take a little bit of a break before I finish the final editing, but writing the book was something that brought me so much joy and I'm kind of using it as current tense because you know it's it's still a work in progress and after I'm recovered from this surgery I'm going to go straight back into editing it and hopefully get it into your hands as soon as possible but another thing is that this podcast the love and support that I've received from coming back to social media and launching this podcast, even though that wasn't the original game plan and I wanted to come back with the book first, it has brought me so much joy to hear you guys resonate with things or to hear that something that I've said has made you smile or made you laugh or the fact that you guys have been reposting and sharing my podcast and even a couple days ago, one woman posted that she was listening to the podcast. So she posted that on her Instagram. And then she said that something to the effect of Morgan is the reason that I don't get as annoyed at my children when they stop to smell the flowers. And, you know, I've talked about this quite a few times, but I don't know. I just love flowers. Okay. Like I like to stop and appreciate the little things when I'm on my walk. I try to like be mindful and take time to just, whether it's looking at flowers or a sunset, like just stop and appreciate those little things. So the fact that this woman like understood that concept enough to now appreciate when her children are making probably little pit stops on their walks, um, that brings me so much joy. So that's my answer to that question. The book, the podcast, you guys, you are what currently bring me so much joy. Um, it looks like we are, oh my gosh, this is Longer than I had expected. I thought we were just going to do a quick 20-minuter today, but you guys submitted such good questions. We're going to have to do a part two um, because some of these questions are so good, but I just can't get to them all, and I really kind of want to keep these podcasts. I mean, I was trying to keep it around the 30-minute mark, but I've been talking a little extra. So I'll end with one final question, which is, if you could give your listeners one piece of advice, what would it be? I feel at this point you guys probably know what my answer will be. Um, obviously, my number one piece of advice would be to be kind. I just think that that's the most important thing. However, since that's a quick answer, I'll give you a little bit deeper one, which is as soon as possible, learn the value of time and understand the importance of time because I learned a long time ago about a concept called like time assets and time debts. 
And once you understand the value of time, I truly think that you live differently than everybody else. I really mean that. Because if you can truly value time and just focus on time assets, so focus on the choices that are going to save you time or the choices that are going to make the most of your time instead of time debts, which are the choices that cost you time and cost you your freedom and cost you, you know, your energy, the more you can focus on making the most of your time, the better your life becomes. And the more you can appreciate your time, the more perspective you have on what's important and what's not. And I've said it before, I've said it in this podcast, I'll say it again, but I truly think that if you can value time and you have self-awareness of the importance of it, you will live your absolute best life possible. So with that said, that brings us to the end of the episode. I am so grateful that you've managed to stay this long. If you're still here, thank you for listening. I appreciate you more than you know. Um, please, if you could, it helps the podcast a lot if you either leave a review or leave a rating on Apple or Spotify. So if you could do that, I'll be picking people who have done that. And I'm just going to be doing little giveaways for people that have participated in that because it does help the podcast get out to new listeners. And I just wanted to say thank you again so much for being so kind and so supportive of the launch of this podcast. I hope that whatever you're going through, no matter how hard it is, you keep going. And until next time, be kind to yourself and others. Love you. Bye.